Hello everybody, my name is Anne Teato and welcome to episode 78 of the Psychic Matters podcast. Well, what is new? Hmm? What's new? I happen to be in Ireland visiting my mum over in the beautiful county of Tipperary last week, which was just so wonderful and so refreshing. And you know what? She tucked me up into bed one night. She made me a hot water bottle and threw a blanket over the top of my duvet cover to make sure I was warm enough and gave me a bottle of Tipperary water for the bedside. (laughs) I mean, I'm 57 and she's 89. Wasn't that sweet? I'll tell you something, there is nothing more lovely than being tucked into bed by your mum. Truly, truly treasured memories. I also had the most marvellous invitation from a friend, Helena B. Scott, to join both her and local historian Liam Noonan on a unique and private exploration of Kilcooley Abbey in Tipperary, which is the ruins of an 11th century Cistercian Abbey. Liam gave Helena and I a private tour and my goodness, it was fascinating. Helena holds so much knowledge about the past and she was able to point out to me the mason's marks on some of the stones and arches, explaining the incredible connections to the Knights Templar built into the very fabric of the architecture. And she explained why a mermaid had been carved into the walls. While we were exploring, we both came across what really felt like a distinct barrier of energy and both of us declared that something very brutal we felt had occurred in that spot and sure enough Liam told us that human bones were found in a nearby wall. I had the incredible experience of standing alone in the soft silence and scrying into the holy water font which was a tiny little alcove in the wall just by the entrance which is where you would dip your hand in to bless yourself as you entered the abbey old as time and conveniently because there was no roof it was filled with fresh clear Irish rainwater. What did I see in that water I hear you ask? Where did your psychic mind take you? Well weirdly I saw scenes of Egypt, camels, amazing pyramids, desert sand, nomadic people. I thought I was going crazy. I mean, why would I see scenes of Egypt in the water font of an 11th century holy abbey in the middle of Tipperary? Well, afterwards, Helena asked me what I had perceived as I was scrying. And I wanted to say something more amazing, like asses and carts or monks baking bread and grinding their own flour, looking after the pigeons in the pigeon loft or monks tending to the sick in their infirmary, which was there, or monks creating herbal remedies, something, I mean, anything Irish and to do with the premises. Instead, of course, I said I'd seen what I'd seen. And as you all know, us psychics must have courage and be truthful at all times as to what we perceive and what we see. So I told Helena I'd seen scenes from ancient Egypt, camels, amazing pyramids, desert, sand, nomadic people. And she told me that ancient Egypt is in her bloodline as well as the blood of the subjects of Queen Scotia. 
And this legendary queen came from Egypt and her subjects were known as the Scotty people, later Scots, and they included Irish and Scottish and that it is believed her tomb is in Tralee County Kerry. Well, I've just done a little bit of research on Queen Scotia and I've just discovered that in myth and legend, she purportedly fled from Egypt because of political turmoil, taking her treasures, her jewellery and thousands of men and she headed towards Europe by boat. And since ancient times, of course, humans have been constantly on the run to find better homes to live in and peace in their lifetime, running from things like famine and natural disasters, wars and invasions and things like that. The Irish legends mention Scotia as an Egyptian princess who grew up in her kingdom at the time of the prophet Moses. And in more recent times, scientists have undertaken DNA research of the Irish people and found in their study that in ancient times, some massive migration happened from the Middle East to Ireland almost a thousand years before the Celts reached the Irish shores. According to a study conducted by the DNA Genealogy Centre in Zurich, Switzerland, they found that up to 70% of British and nearly 50% of Western Europeans are genetically linked with the great pharaoh Tutankhamun. And in my yearning to get to the bottom of it all, I've discovered that there's a book called Kingdom of the Ark by an author called Lorraine Evans. It's a bestseller and Lorraine Evans studied Egyptology, ancient history and archaeology at both University College London and the University of London. And in this book, she states that the remains of an ancient boat were found in Yorkshire in the United Kingdom and that it resembled the boats found in the Mediterranean that predate the Vikings and were used about 3,000 years ago. The skeletal remains of a boy were also found and the features of that skeleton revealed that it was from around the same time as Queen Scotia and they also found a necklace along with that boy's skeleton that was very similar to the structure and design of the necklaces used by the Egyptian pharaoh Tutankhamun who, the historians believe, was a relative of Princess Scotia, either her father or her brother. And I didn't know any of that when I did my little scrying session in the ancient water font of Kilcooley Abbey in Ireland. Isn't it fascinating? You always learn something new on this show, do you not? So make sure you like and subscribe to Psychic Matters so you don't miss out on any of my fascinating upcoming episodes. And Helena B. Scott is going to be joining us as my guest in the new year. And I'm really looking forward to spending more time with her and bringing her unique knowledge and insights to you, the listener. Can you write me a review now, please? Please, please. I haven't had a written review in about six weeks. So could you be the person who goes to either Apple Podcasts or Podchaser and leaves me some kind words in writing about what you're gaining from listening to this show? It's much appreciated. Thank you. This week, I had the pleasure of interviewing kinesiologist, host and author Amanda Kate. Amanda explains that kinesiology amalgamates Eastern wisdom with Western science to facilitate energetic shifts that allow your body to heal itself from the inside out. 
Amanda tells us that kinesiology works to release accumulated stresses from the body, expanding our awareness, removing limitations and propelling us forward. I really hope that you enjoy listening to this episode. I am very excited to introduce my next guest to you. She is an archetypal life coach, a kinesiologist and author. Amanda Kate, welcome to Psychic Matters. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Anne. I'm super excited to be chatting to you. I love your energy already, so super excited. (laughs) I know, I'm really super excited because kinesiology has been something that has always been on my personal radar and I have never ever had a kinesiology session and I'm fascinated to find out all about it. So I'm sure the people that are listening also would like to know a lot more about the topic and you of course are the expert. So tell (laughs) us Amanda, where should we start? Where would we begin with a topic like this? I think the the crux of kinesiology is that we take Western science and Eastern wisdom. So we're using the basis of quantum physics, really, which I know sounds really confusing and out there, but, you know, that's the bit for me to understand. Um, <laughs> realistically, when you look at it, quantum physics have proven that the universe is 4% physical matter. So when you come into my clinic, your human meat suit that your soul is walking around in, for me, is 4% of the picture. And so I'm looking at the 100% of you, which includes, you know, emotional, mental, spiritual, metaphysical, transformational, financial, relational, sexual, hormonal, all of those different other aspects of you that all feed into the one to create that whole being. And in the States, for example, kinesiology and actually in physiotherapy and occupational therapy, kinesiology is just about the movement of muscles. Whereas as kinesiologists in the energy working space, we tend to look more at the full energetic profile and how energy is moving through the body and the systems of the body and where it might be blocked or stagnant. I don't tend to sort of talk about that stuckness of all the blocked energy so much. I I look at it more as stagnant because the energy has to be moving somewhere. And so we really look at what is causing stress to the body. And so say you go into a doctor and they go, you've got diabetes. You say, why do I have diabetes? And they go, you have all these symptoms, therefore you have diabetes. And you go, but why do I have these symptoms? Because you have diabetes. why do I have diabetes? Because I have these symptoms. So you can see the little loop that's created there. They're using the symptoms to explain the disease and the disease to explain the symptoms. What I want to know is if you or I have that genetic switch that says we are more prevalent to get, say, diabetes, because that's the example I'm using, it will only switch on if we have a trauma or a stress that flips that switch. So I want to know what's flipped the switch. I want to know when it started, why it started, what was happening for you when it started. So we're really looking at the root cause of what's going on in the body. And most of our physical dis-ease, our mental dis-ease, our lack of ease anywhere in our entirety is caused by some form of trauma. And traumas, you know, we tend to talk in terms of big T and little t traumas, but let's face it, they're all just traumatic experiences. And by that, I mean anything that your body does not 
find nourishing and nurturing. So people think that traumas need to be abuse or rapes or sexual assaults or accidents or disabilities or those really big things that happen in our life. And yes, they are hugely traumatic. But having an overly critical parent all through your life, putting little drips of self-doubt to you that you're not smart enough or not enough or whatever can be just as traumatic for somebody. It could be that, you know, you've had teachers call you stupid or something like that. And what happens sometimes, one person can hear it and go, yeah, whatever. I don't give a crap about your summation of me. And other people will take that and create stories and act as though those summations about their personality or their abilities or whatever are true. And then they're programming their brain to look for examples of that. And so what we're looking to do is why did that story start and how are you storing that in your body? How can we then vibrationally shift that from the body so that the vibrational resonance isn't there anymore? And therefore, A, you're aware of the story that's going on in the subconscious. So when you go start heading towards that old patterning, you go, oh, hang on, that's that coming up again. Or it just doesn't resonate with you anymore, so you don't do it so much. So, Amanda, what happens in the body then with trauma? What happens on a quantum physics level in the cells of the body with any kind of trauma on any scale? What happens to us? It's like we store those memories. And so if you think about our subconscious, most people think our subconscious is between our ears, but our subconscious is in every fiber of our being, every cell, every little tiny speck of energy and all of the bits in between. It is within the entirety of us that our subconscious sits. A really good example, I remember it was my seventh kinesiology class and I only remember that because of the numbering and we were working on pain in the body and I had some really bad shoulder pain and to the fact that it was stopping me working out properly at the gym they tested up which the emotion was that was sitting in my shoulder and it tested up as self-respect now I was not a person who ever had any self-respect previously in my life and I had only just started working towards actually working out what the hell that meant for me As soon as they said that emotion, I sobbed my heart out and I couldn't stop for literally 20 minutes. It was like just (laughs) releasing that dam that I'd been holding in that shoulder. And I got up from that table and until I lost my grandfather, I did not get any pain in that shoulder again because grief is often kept in the shoulders. And then once I cleared that grief from losing my grandfather again, I haven't had any shoulder problems since. And so you can see that it doesn't always come the way we would expect it to come. It's not always the way that we think it will work out. And that's part of what I love about it. I feel like a detective. I just need to ask the right questions. So if you think about it, your muscles have energy going through them all the time. When I do a muscle test, which is testing the tone of the muscle, it's not about strength. If your body doesn't find it stressful, that electrical signal stays stable. But if there is a stress in the body, that muscle will lose tone because it's like, oh, what just happened? I don't like that. And so that's how we're sort of we're reading the body is by using the muscle tone. And then we can use that muscle tone as like a biofeedback system between your physical body and your subconscious mind and and all of the other parts of you as well that want to read what's coming up. So say a little more about that. This fascinates me. (laughs) (laughs) You said that they tested up 
and you've spoken there about your uh, a little bit about method but can you tell us what happens at a, t- a typical session so somebody's going to come to you what can they expect to happen what are these tests and how do they work so i guess the the easiest way to describe it People will come in and they will, you know, obviously our first session is a lot of talking because I need to get that really detailed history of what's going on. And then I get them up on the table. So they lay down on the table, fully clothed. A lot of people are like, ah, no, you keep your clothes on. I'm not interested in anything else. We're not massaging or anything like that. And we tend to use one of the forearm muscles because if you use bigger muscles, the arms are going to get tired and it's not going to be a very relaxing or as effective with tired muscles so we want muscles that don't take a lot of energy for you to hold up and then by asking the questions and reading the tone in the muscle we're getting answers from the body and so it really is about asking the right questions and also reading the muscle tone depending on the question you're asking so it will be a very different answer say if i ask for a yes or a no versus looking for what's called a stress response in the body, which is that electrical signal being interrupted. And there is a bit of an art to it. So I've done about uh, six years worth of study to get to the point that I'm at. A normal diploma is about two, two and a half years of full-time study. But I did the advanced diploma and all these other advanced courses as well, because once I started learning it, I'm like, oh my God, I don't know anything. I need to learn more. And I realized how in-depth and how much interesting stuff our body holds on to and how our body works and how it's always just trying to keep us alive. And so even our unresourceful patterns have kept us safe at some point or another. And we use them now because they kept us safe back then. And so once we find out why we got these patterns of behavior, we understand the emotions that were there, what was happening at the time that we adopted them as the right way to be, we're able then to really change that vibrational patterning moving forward. Thank you, Amanda. And then once you're asking these questions, are you asking them in your mind or are you asking them out loud? Does that even matter? It actually doesn't matter. I do ask them out loud because I think it's really important. One, that the person on the table is hearing the question because often they will get the answer in their subconscious mind before I even tell them what's testing up for me. And the other thing is I like them to then speak because when we speak, we hear ourselves. And it comes in a very different loop than when we talk to ourselves in our head. But at the same time, say, for example, man therapy tends to be a bit different. They like to speak a bit less. Yep, got that. Yep, that makes sense. Okay, on to the next thing. (laughs) So it it really does. And I'm not saying that's all men, by the way, but a lot of the men I've worked with um, being much more, I guess, traditionally masculine men. It does tend to be a little bit. Yep, got that. Some women obviously are a bit like that as well. But um, as we get further through, the more they talk, the more they're releasing on a different level as well. So I like to get all the senses involved as much as possible. So when I read, I read, (laughs) I once read a book uh, about kinesiology and it was just a small chapter in a book of super therapies. It was fascinating. And that's how I first found out about kinesiology. But it was something about applying different foods to the skin and then the arm would either go up or down, Mm -hmm. uh, depending on something. Can you explain what that was? Do you understand what I'm even talking about? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Look, we can test foods. I tend not to do it when people are standing up just because they're on the table already. But yeah, I don't tend to use muscle testing as an oracle. 
I will use it to get the answers for the questions to dig out what's happening in somebody's subconscious mind. So a lot of people do use it for food preferences and it does work really, really well. And what you do then is you hold the food usually on your thymus, which is your self point basically. So it's just a little gland that sits under your sternum. And then you read the muscle as to whether your body has a preference for that food or not a preference for that food. And so say, for example, if ever I hold something with gluten in it or dairy, I can, I can do butter and eggs, but you know, yogurt, cream, whatever, my body will go, oh, not that and move away from it. And if it is something that is good for me, that is nourishing and nurturing for my body, my body will move towards it. So the same sort of thing happens when we're looking for the indicators when it's on somebody's chest. And then we can actually cross check it to check, I guess, the bioavailability of that food. So how easily your body can digest it and use the nutrients from it. Gosh, it's absolutely fascinating. Mm. Do you know, um, Amanda, the history? Who who discovered this in the first place? Do you know that? I cannot remember all of the people, but they used to call them the dirty dozen of kinesiology. And so some of the original founders are people like Dr. John T. The particular method I have used is Dr. Bruce Dew. It really started sort of back in the 70s in the form that it is now. Charles Krebs was another one that was quite high up in kinesiology, but it brings in a whole heap of the more ancient philosophies as well. So things like mesmerism and, you know, he used to look at the the way energy moved through trees and through the ground and all that sort of stuff. So it does bring in a lot of that I guess the more esoteric, the more energy work that was being done. And George Goodall was another one. Some of the names are sort of dropping in. But there were basically a a group of people who were developing it in different ways. And some of them were sharing their results and obviously some, some less so. But we've got little bits and part of what I liked about doing the PKP version that I do is that it does bring in a lot of those things from a lot of the different types of kinesiology. Yeah. What what does PKP stand for, Amanda? Professional kinesiology practitioner. Oh, wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. So, you, And you say you've trained for six years, so this is amazing. And the people that have come to you, your clients so far, can you give us any wonderful examples of your work that has really benefited uh, one or two of them? One of the stories that I gave in my book actually was about a client who came to me and she just said, I just, I've never loved myself. I, if you can even get me to not hate myself, I, this will be worth it. And in the first session, we actually went back to her moment of conception and it was she got the message that it was not an act of love. And we cleared some of the emotional stress that she was carrying around that. And when she hopped up from the table, I said to her, before we do anything else, I said, go look in the mirror. And she went, I don't recognize myself. She just, her energy was just different. She just had a different glow about her. Her facial features looked like they'd changed. It was phenomenal. It was such a big change and such an honour to work with her in that way. And she only probably came for maybe four four sessions, but she just found such profound change in that short time, which was amazing. Another one I actually did at a festival, and this one's also in my book, 
and she she'd been self-harming and so had scars up both arms and I literally had about 15 minutes to work with this person because I did a little come and try kinesiology and then I did a half hour slightly longer one and then I did a full hour so that people at the festival could choose their length and her mum sent her to me for literally 15 minutes and I thought give me a challenge why don't you you know yes I don't know I can do much about this in such a short period of time anyway we worked through the session obviously didn't see her again ended up going back to the festival the following year and this girl ran up to me and gave me a massive hug and she had not harmed herself since our session wow it was a real turning point and that was just such an honor and such a it was mind-blowing to be honest she was clearly ready to receive whatever message it was that she got did she speak about how it felt inside? I mean, I guess it's a, it's a festival, so it's, a, you know, it's just a quick hello, goodbye, whatever. But I wondered if she said anything about how it had affected her afterwards. Both of them just said it, it just changed her life, just completely turned her mindset around from, from being in that space of self-loathing to learning how to love herself. And obviously that's a practice we're all still working on. Yeah. <laughs> but... You know, at, at least she wasn't doing the same sorts of acts. And it was, like I say, astonishing. That's astonishing. It's such a short time as well. Yeah. Yeah, amazing. And Amanda, I know you've had your own journey to get to the point where you decided to train to be a kinesiologist. So maybe say a little bit about your earlier life. So I was in quite a toxic marriage. Uh, there was a lot of criticism, abuse, psychological manipulation, um, I was separated from my family. My family were in Australia and I was living in the UK. So there was isolation and loneliness as well in there. There was a lot of stuff that went on behind the scenes that I kept very well hidden uh, from a lot of people. And basically that's what wore me down was the living a lie. It looked to the outside world like, you know, I'd married this rich, successful man. We had two beautiful children. We traveled, we had the you know, beautiful house, all of the things. We emigrated back to Australia in 2011. And in 2013, I started needing three hour naps in the afternoon. So about 14 months after we moved back here and I just could not keep functioning the way that I had been. And it took four professionals to tell me I had chronic fatigue before my now ex-husband believed me he's like oh you're you're always exhausted everyone else just gets tired what is wrong with you everything has to be worse for you <laughs> I'm like no there's actually reason for this and the way I found kinesiology was we went on a holiday in the March of that year and I thought we'd had a lovely lovely evening we got back to our apartment with the children. Apparently we did not have a lovely evening and he spent four hours telling me exactly why it was not a lovely evening and what I had done wrong and what was horrible about my personality and literally was just pacing our, our hotel room. It was frightening. And I'm concerned because the kids are sleeping next door so I'm worrying about that and I'm also devastated because I'm like, I thought we'd had a beautiful evening and now you're coming back with this bullshit at me like this is insane and I literally could not function for the rest of the holiday I was like this is pointless 
So I just stepped back. I barely said anything. I just couldn't find it in my body to re-engage with the holiday. We got back to Melbourne and people would ask me how I was and I'd be in tears because I actually couldn't speak. And so I went to the doctor to get a mental health care plan because, of course, I believed that I was broken and had a referral to see a psychologist rang them up and the receptionist was actually the one who changed my life in so many ways. She said to me, I can't get you in for the mindfulness training that the psychologist is running until the end of May because that's the next course. I can't get you in with her until the middle of May. We're in April and it sounds like you're under a lot of stress. She said, who's supporting you? Now, for years before, doctors are saying, you're the healthiest sick person we've seen and your blood test results are fine. And here, how about you try some antidepressants? And I'm going, I don't need antidepressants. I know that's not the problem. Fundamentally, I know that's not the problem. And intuitively, I think that's the first time my intuition screamed and I actually listened because it had been screaming for years for me to get out of my marriage. But I listened to it and I was like, I'm not taking those. And I found the natural therapies that way. But once that woman had asked me that question, I was like, whoa, okay. There's some serious deficits in my life. And she said, we've got a kinesiologist here in the building. Would you be interested? And I'm like, I have no idea what that is, but I'm willing to try anything. And that first session, I still remember it was the 24th of April, 2015, changed my life. And the 24th of October, 2015, literally exactly six months later, I was sitting in the classroom for our introduction day. So yeah. Wow. It was amazing. That is an incredible story. And I'm so sorry about your challenges that you had there. <laughs> we all have them. But we are, <laughs> we are often taken down into those deep valleys of experience so that we can mm. assist others out of theirs. Yes. So Absolutely. Yes. So that obviously started your incredible journey forward. Yes. You mentioned earlier that you've written this book. Tell us about your beautiful book. So my book is called Divine Messy Human, and it's a spiritual guide to prioritizing internal truth over external influence. And the reason I guess anyone writes a book is it was the book I needed before I started this journey, I guess. And so there isn't much of my story in there. There's little snippets. But for the most part, the book is about the tools and techniques and what I've learned to get me from that place of self-loathing into a place of self-love and abundance and gratitude and inner peace and move into, you know, a reciprocal loving relationship from a toxic relationship. And so I cover things like emotional fluency, so understanding the emotions that we're feeling and being able to name them. I talk about balancing opposing principles, so the masculine and feminine principles. Again, nothing to do with gender. It's the archetypal aspect of masculine feminine, how we can balance those within our body. I talk about why we have such a propensity for darkness with our negative thoughts. I talk about humor and the spiritual path. I talk about what spirituality means to me. I talk about being able to hold paradox easily or more comfortably. So we're, we're not in that binary thinking of yes, no, right, wrong, black, white, we start to understand that multiple things can be true at the same time. And so I, I sprinkle in sometimes my story, but sometimes my client's stories really to illustrate those points the best way that I can. And they're little bite-sized chunks or chapters. They're not even quite long enough to, for me to call them chapters. They're just little bite-sized bits that people can dip into and out of. 
and literally it just flowed that way. It just sounds amazing. And where can people buy it if they would love to read that? So I do have it on my website, but obviously that gets expensive if you're anywhere but Australia, um, which is www.amandakate.com.au. It is on Amazon. It is on Kindle. They're probably the easiest places. And I know, say, for example, the US Barnes & Noble do stock it online. So there might be a few also in the UK. I haven't done too many searches on all the different platforms. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, I'll put a link to your book in the show notes for this episode so people can just click on that and they'll be led to your book directly, which is amazing. But congratulations on writing that. And Thank I think you. small snippets are what we need. We, we, we're such a busy society at the moment. Uh, life is so busy for everybody. Just to have something small to read that will lift and help and assist is just beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Well, even when I was writing the book, I, I chose the font so that it was easy enough to read. I think it's a 12 font or something. So it's easy to read because I didn't want people to be squinting and struggling to digest it. And so that was actually really important. A lot of those sorts of decisions. I know that my market tends to be women in their mid, probably mid thirties up to you know, early 60s, even I've had some clients who are in their 70s, 80s and 90s. So and and the reason I talk about that internal truth is that all through my life, I have had those intuitive nudges. I've had that intuition. I've known it's there, but I have not listened to it or acted on it or trusted it. And that was the biggest change that started to happen when I found kinesiology and found the natural therapies and found alternative healing modalities that were actually shifting that stress from my body and repatterning my nervous system so I could become a different person. It helped me really tune into that and, and tune out all of that external noise. Whereas previously in my life, I was living it to what everybody else thought I should be living my life to with job, with partners, with literally every decision I made. And now that I tune that out, I've got a much clearer and more direct line to my source and creator. It is beautiful when we finally come into alignment with what we were put here for. Oh, yes. <laughs> it is pretty life-changing, isn't it? To let go of everybody else's opinion and actually say, no, this is me. This is who I am. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And I think anybody who finds these sorts of practices tend not to get there by taking the easy path. <laughs> Most of us do tend to choose challenging paths or traumatic paths. And that's how we find what we're meant to do. And if somebody listening to this thing is thinking, I'd really love to find out more about kinesiology, where can we go and train? Where are the places that we can learn the topic? Well, I'm sure there's lots of people out there teaching it, but where, where are the good places to go? I, I wouldn't actually be able to tell you for most countries. I do have a number of contacts in the UK and and different places looking for the modalities that are accredited is always a good start i think you can do a weekend course and pretty much call yourself a kinesiologist and i think this is perhaps where regulation i'm not a huge fan of regulation but i think it may not be the worst thing in the world and also looking at say the kinesiology associations and what courses they recommend and what courses they stand by I follow a kinesiologist, for example, who always has these videos up of waving feathers over 
people and, you know, draping silks over them and using about three, four, ten, whatever it is, remedies in a session. And I'm looking at it going, I maybe use one or two remedies because I want to get to that root cause. I don't want to fix each thing as it comes up because what's causing that thing? I want to know the root cause. And so I see some of those things and I go, oh, that doesn't sit well with me and the way I've practiced. I like to know that we're going deep and that those issues that are being surfaced are really coming to a resolution so that the person feels in control. I could do that same sort of thing. And and again, I'm not disrespecting it. I think it's wonderful. If her and her clients are getting results, it's fantastic, but it's not the kinesiology that I learned and it doesn't really resonate with me. And again, try out your practitioners. Most people will spend more time researching shoes to buy or a car to buy than they will the people who are dealing with their spiritual, energetic and mental health or physical health. Yeah, that's Mm. a really good point, actually. That is a really good point and just shows how how important it is to find the right person for you. Uh, It seems that you, though, you've taken kinesiology and all of its beautiful history and you're so learned about the topic it feels as if you're creating almost something very unique that is uh, just for the services that you Amanda Kate offers and I know that you treat couples and uh, you work with uh, groups and things like that so maybe could you tell us a little bit about that aspect of your work? One of my main archetypes is the sage and so I am forever learning. I I'm always looking at new courses. I've put a ban on myself for this year. I do have another course booked for May next year. I'm literally trying to slow down because, as you know, this energy healing field is huge and quantum physics is fascinating and the human body is fascinating. And when you put all of the stuff together, it it blows my mind. And I the more I learn, the, the more I realise I don't know. And therefore, I want to learn more because it fascinates me. And so, yes, I think any practitioner puts things together in their own way, depending on what they've learned, depending on their own history, depending on their life experiences. And this is where I think those those conversations before you book in with a practitioner are really important. Do I resonate with this person? Do Does it sound like they can help me? Does it feel more importantly, like they are on my page, that they understand where I'm coming from and what I want to achieve. Working with couples has been really, really fascinating. So it's about getting a couple to work together to achieve what they want to achieve as a couple. So I had a young couple and I'm going, oh my God, if if other young couples like you came in, this would be amazing because they wanted to learn how to fight better. You're kidding me. That's brilliant. I'm like, oh my God, I love this. Why? Why? Because they weren't fighting well and they weren't resolving any of their conflicts. And so they wanted that rule book almost to follow, to be able to bring it back and go, hang on a minute, hold up here. That's not working. That's not moving us forward. Let's reset. How brilliant. And it was was amazing. It was so good. In terms of groups, again, it works best when you've got, you know, maybe a group of I'd say six to 10. And when you're working together for a common goal. So it really is about bringing the whole group into a cohesive energy space and harmonizing that energy so that that goal is much easier to achieve. 
So if you think about, you know, a, a team project, okay, so what is feeding into that project that is making it less likely that we're going to succeed in the delivery of that project or goal or whatever you want to call it? And that can work absolutely beautifully. That's amazing. I mean, I just love the fact that couples can go and groups can go. And the other thing, as you were speaking there, that really touched my mind was that when I thought about going to a kinesiologist, I've always thought, oh my gosh, I better look up who's around in my local area, you know, and I've always thought, oh, she doesn't sound so good or he doesn't look that great. And I never entered my mind that this might be now a global thing because you offer your appointments online, do you not? Yeah. So if you think we're working in the energy field, so yes, kinesiology is about movement it is about muscle testing it is about that physical aspect at times so the way that i do it is actually through the psychic and mediumship training that i have had and the understanding of energy that i've got so i tend not to do it where i say surrogate your energy which means i take on your energy and read it from within i imagine i'm tuning into your radio station and that I am throwing my energetic field like a blanket over you to be able to read what's going on. And then I muscle test on myself. So it really is, again, bringing in that more energetic quantum physics type way of thinking about things. So my energy field becomes a blanket. And then at the end, we take that blanket off and we've got our own energy without mixing the two together. Because I want to make sure that I'm really keeping clear on what I am clearing for you. That's incredible. That's just, that sounds so exciting. And that's just brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Who, um, what have you done in terms of mediumship and psychic work? Uh, that's, that's something our listeners are very, very interested in. There is a lady based here in Melbourne who is incredible. Her name is Joanna Sopanos, and she has actually written a book, Giving Spirit a Voice, The Mechanics of Mediumship. And she studied in the UK, she studied all over the place. And so I only did a short amount of work with her and I went to a number of her workshops. And so that was the formal training I've had. And then through my Reiki development and through some other work I've done with other coaches and kinesiologists, I've also been developing those skills and also my own work with spirit. But that that book of Joanna's is amazing if you want to get the tools and techniques and understand, as it says, the mechanics of mediumship. It's amazing. And the cards, she's actually got daily practice cards that go along with that, with the different exercises that you can do to develop each one of your clear senses. Amazing. So phenomenal resource. Oh, that's brilliant. I'll put a link to that as well in our show notes as well for that lady. I might have to bring her onto the podcast as well. Oh, she would love it. She would, she would be amazing. Yeah. Uh, Fantastic. And Amanda, where do you think the future lies with kinesiology? Obviously it's a growing, expanding um, topic and it's so huge but where do you feel you want to start moving into over the next little while my ideal would be that the client the patient whatever you want to call them is the center of the model and that the other health professionals that they employ work as a team for their highest good and for their best interest. So I would love to be able to work alongside a GP, a naturopath, an acupuncturist, a 
cardiologist or whatever else and bring in that whole body experience so that the patient is top of mind. The patient is the focus, not the pharmaceutical company who is, you know, paying their reps or GPs to get a lifelong customer. If we could put it with the patient as the center and their health on a holistic scale, that would be my ideal. I would absolutely love it. I haven't gotten where I am today with just one modality. I've used coaching, kinesiology, acupuncture, the psychic and mediumship training, as well as sessions, Reiki, reflexology, massage, remedial massage. Yeah. (laughs) And on and on and on. Yeah. Which is what makes your work so unique to you. That's the thing you draw on all these different things. And then what you're able to present for people and help people with is so beautiful and so magical because you draw on all of those resources. Thank you. Yeah. And then, Amanda, just skipping back a little where you said when you're working online with someone, you put this beautiful energy blanket over them. And I, I totally understand that because when I'm doing my psychic or mediumship readings for my clients online, that's exactly what I do. I draw them close. I hold them in this beautiful energetic embrace and then we release. But what about you when you're working with people's deep, dark how do you really release that from yourself so you don't end up carrying that along through your day afterwards when I very first started I would imagine plugging myself into them like a light socket and then unplugging at the end to be honest these days it is something that really doesn't affect me I have the intention that your energy stays yours and my energy stays mine and there are times I'm crying with my clients There are times that my heart is absolutely breaking with them as they move through it. And also I have that same experience of joy as they move through it. So I think the fear for a lot of people is that this work is a Pandora's box, that once they open the lid, they're not going to be able to shut it again. But when you have the right practitioner and you're in the right healing environment, We're opening the box and letting out whatever you can handle at the time, whatever is, whatever you're ready to look at as well. So my intention is that things come up when people are ready and when I'm the right practitioner for them to clear that with. So I do tend to get different results because I have all of those intentions in place. I also know that in the session, it is about what is in your highest good which means that we are working, I'm working with my spirit guides, with their spirit guides, with the whole team, with this person's highest health and vitality as our end goal, whenever that may be. And each session is unlayering and rewiring the parts of the body and nervous system that the client can handle. We don't want to put you back to factory settings and have you shut down because it's too much at once. We do it in layers. We do it gradually. We do it as fast as your nervous system can handle. And then we reintegrate. So I'm not letting people go out where we've cleared all this stuff and they've got these big gaping energetic holes. It really is about wrapping that up again to make sure that they are congruent and whole. And I've had people go to some motivational seminars and they've come to me for balances after because they've gone out to release all of this stuff in these group settings. But the people who are facilitating that release are then not 
closing the containers and making sure that these people are so they're coming home going i don't understand what happened like i've just been at this incredible motivation seminar and i'm a mess and when you start clearing what's actually come up for them and you start you know closing over some of the containers it's like oh okay now i can integrate this stuff so again it's being really mindful of of how you want them feeling at the end of the session as well and how you can put that back together it's really beautiful thank you Mm. and just as we finish perhaps one of the last things or the last thing you could maybe offer people that are listening if they can't afford to come for a session either financially or through time uh is there something we can do for ourselves at home on a kinesiology basis uh, that might assist and help the thing that i will tell teach most of my clients is whole body testing. So if you stand with your feet firmly planted on the ground and you hold something to your chest, or you think about something, our body will naturally sway towards what we have a preference for and away from what we have a less preference for. (laughs) So if we think of something we absolutely love, you will find that your body naturally wants to move towards it. It wants to go forwards. If we think of something we really don't like, you'll notice that your body moves away like an aversion, like you're getting out the way of something. And you can use that. I, I, I love using it for buying gifts. If I'm buying a gift for somebody that I don't know particularly well, I'll stand at the front of the store and go, okay, is it to the left of this shop or the right? Okay, we'll go left. Is it on this part of the shop or this part of the shop? Okay, it's over there, you know, which shelf. And I have chosen so many presents like that and they're always well received, whether that's acting, I don't know. But it's a great way to just to practice with it. The same way, you know, if you say had an apple and an orange in one in each hand and you ask your body what is in your highest good, it will move towards the one whose nutrients you need more. So again, it's not an oracle, but it's a beautiful way to show your preference for things. The other thing is really about... And again, this is how I set myself up for sessions is grounding that energy down. So pushing that energy down through my feet to really anchor into Mother Earth, drawing that Earth energy up to energize all of the chakras on the way up, coming out of the crown and connecting me into the heavens and then drawing that heavenly energy back down through my body again, energizing the chakras and pushing that heavenly energy into the Earth. So imagining myself plugged in like a battery, I have connection to earth and sky, heaven and earth, father sky, mother earth, whatever you want to call it, but I'm fully plugged in. And when I'm like that, you know what it's like if you, if your TV remote battery is not in properly and you've got to give it a whack. <laughs> it doesn't do much. It's like me plugging myself in properly so that I work effectively. Now, if I'm working from that space, I don't take on anybody's energy because I'm using source energy. And often Insomnia is one of my signs that my adrenals are starting to play up. If I've had insomnia and I'm going into work, I can often come out of a full day of sessions more energized than when I woke up in the morning because I'm using that source energy and I'm using myself as a conduit rather than the source. And so practicing that, imagining those tree roots growing out of your feet, imagining yourself really anchored into Mother Earth, bringing the energy up, connecting into that heavenly energy, drawing the energy down and really seeing yourself as anchored fully between those two energies can be a beautiful way to get through the day and to keep your energy field charged. I love it. I love it, love it, love it. And I think it is a lot about noticing 
our energy, how it reacts to places, people, things, and the energy that is all around us and the ambience that is all around us. It's just noticing. Yes. Once you begin to notice, then that awakens your awareness. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, beautiful. And I love your top tip about how to choose a gift. That's really great. I bought a gift for my mother last week. So it's behind me. So when we finish the session, I'm going to hold it to my chest and see if she's going to like it or not. <laughs> well, I have a great story about one of the teachers. They were walking through a mall once and they didn't have time to try on this dress. And they were like, oh, I really love that. And they just stood there and went, okay, would that look good on me? And they moved forward. They went in, they bought their size and they tried it on when they got home and they absolutely loved it. So good. And so just little things like that, it can just, and it can be fun to play with. Yeah, that's exactly it. And it should be fun as well. It really, really should be fun. So Amanda, tell us, people want to come and they want to book a session with you. How are they going to do that? Where do they go? So to my website, which is www.amandakate.com.au. And again, if the times don't work out or whatever else, because I now work purely from home, I have a lot more flexibility. So if there aren't times in my diary that are convenient, then, you know, the same way that we're speaking out of office hours, I'm, I'm happy providing it obviously fits in with, with family commitments to also look at times that aren't in my diary to accommodate. I'll often do early morning ones because I'm, I'm up with the birds in the morning around 5 a.m. So again, you know, I often have that overlap even though it doesn't look like it in my diary. So yeah, absolutely love it. And from my website, you can find most of my social media links. I'm on all the different platforms. <laughs> Fantastic. I'll put all of those in the show notes as well so people can follow you and uh, find out what you're up to. Do you teach yourself? Do you have courses coming up at all? I have only got one uh, workshop that's in person at the moment, and that's going to be a summer solstice sort of one day retreat which will be lovely I do keep looking at doing courses and again it's one of those things that's there and my book actually because of the way yeah. it's written would make a great course I just need to pull my finger out and get it done <laughs> but come and follow me and you'll be the first people to know <laughs> I think that's the thing, isn't it? Let's all sign up to your mailing list and then you'll let us know when those things come out. Exactly. Amanda, it's been fantastic talking to you. Thank oh, you, you so much for your time. And I really wish you all the very, very best with everything you're achieving out there in the world. Oh, thank you so much. I'm so honoured to be here and be in your energy and be speaking to you. You've got to keep shining your light as well because this is how we create more light in the world is people having these platforms and using them to share messages about about different things that are out there and other people's stories so that when we are going through those times of struggle, we know that we're not alone. We know that other people have been there, that other people have found their way out of it. And so I have so much gratitude and thanks for you and appreciation for what you're doing. So thank you. Amanda Kate, thank you. Well, I really hope you have enjoyed that episode with Amanda Kate. What a totally inspiring lady and hugely qualified in her field of expertise. I just loved talking to her. As ever, the show notes for this episode mentioning all the resources, where to buy Amanda's book, her contact details, etc, etc, and a complete transcription of the entire episode are available over on my website, anteato.com, under podcasts, A-N-N-T-H-E-A-T-O dot com. 
And perhaps you would consider becoming a patron of the Psychic Matters podcast by joining my team of wonderful patrons on Patreon. Head over to patreon.com slash psychic matters, p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash psychic matters. Or you can go to my website, anteato.com and put a little something in my tip jar on the podcast page. I'll be back in a couple of weeks' time. Until then, try and take a moment to check your body over and feel the energy of you this week. What do you feel like? And what is your intuition trying to tell you? Can you take yourself, as Amanda suggests, to a place of self-love, abundance and gratitude this week? If you are struggling, Amanda Kate's book, divine, messy, human, might be just the thing you need to put on your wish list. It's released in February 2022, so save the date, write it in your diary. My name is Anne Teato, and thank you for listening to Psychic Matters. <laughs>